Hello there. Welcome to the Refuge Center podcast. My name is Linton. I'm the host of this podcast and I'm just continuing to do my journey in regards to spiritual abuse um, from being a young boy and from a broken family, broken upbringing um, to being behind the pulpit. So I just continue my journey from the last chapter. Um, In the last chapter, I was discussing about um, church culture and how I got involved in the church culture um, and just how things were generally in the church. Um, So I'm just continuing from there as I'm now going into um, our fourth episode, which is to do with courting relationships and marriages within the church. Um, So... So there also became this immense pressure um, to get married in the church. And as a man, if you hit a certain age, like over 30, and you're not married, you are often mocked or questioned. Um, One pastor made a comment one time and said that if you're not married by the age of 30, you are either in pornography or hiding something else. Now, this was an unfair comment because everyone has different circumstances some people end up coming into church over 30 has gone through various different issues some people come into church just under 30 so it was very hard to be able to make those sort of accusations because that definitely wasn't the case with a lot of the men i knew in particular um, that was within the church and a lot of people have had different struggles and upbringings so it was very difficult it was very unfair to make that sort of comment behind the pulpit so it got to a point where um the, the pastor was now beginning to put some pressure on me to also get married um but at the time there was just no one suitable for me to to, to get married to um there, there were girls in the church at the time but there just wasn't the sort of, there just wasn't my type um and you can't just force yourself to get married because it just doesn't make sense because i've seen it i've seen instances where some men have deliberately just chosen to get married to someone just for the sake of actually getting sent out and becoming a pastor but i wasn't that sort of guy and i generally was not going to do that but i had literally seen that and um the results have been very devastating because there was no true love there it was just getting married for a motive and a lot of the times you saw some of the couples in church you think how on earth did they get together like there's just no connection there whatsoever and sometimes it is because some of the men chosen to get married to them for that reason and that's all that it was Um, but I wasn't that sort of guy so even though I was in the church for over 10 years, I was still young at the time. And out of a lot of my friends around that generation as well, when I was in the church, um, I was actually one of the last ones to get married. But I was still only 27 at the time, despite coming into church at a young age from 16. A lot of the men in my church on average were getting married at the age of 22. Um, which was a very young age, to be honest. So we were always told that we must wait for God to bring our spouse to the church branch that we was attending in and that we don't need to look anywhere else. So that was often emphasised behind the pulpit. 
So in other words, you wait, you don't do anything and God will bring your wife into the church um, or bring your spouse into the church, bring your husband if, if he was a lady that was in the church at the time and you don't actually have to do anything because God always has you in mind and that was often emphasised behind the pulpit a lot of the times. And, you know, sometimes I even seen some marriages being manipulated in the church. Um, For example, sometimes a pastor might recommend somebody for someone else. And if, if they thought it was a suitable match, then they may consider dating that person. But if not, then then they wouldn't do it. Um, It almost happened to me at one point, but, you know, I prayed on it and it, it just wasn't the right decision for me at the time. Um... And if you liked anyone in the church, you would have to go through the pastor. um, Because if there was any deep situations that they were in or involved in, um, then you obviously would be told not to pursue for that person. Um, And so on most occasions, it can also be bad um, in this situation because um, it can also be manipulated and controlled um, by the pastor. Um, And... You know, that can also be a very dangerous aspect as well. Um, In the church, you can't pursue any relationship if the pastor doesn't agree um, with you courting each other. So everything is on the pastor's terms. If you disagree um, or do things differently to what the pastor has said, then you, you know, you may see that... um, you know, the pastor may say, turn around and say that he's not actually going to marry you. And then obviously that can send a lot of shockwaves in the church. And then you can be labelled as a rebel um, or labelled any other way differently. And and then that can send a lot of shockwaves. And that if people get involved in your church, uh, so if people want to get involved in your bridal party, um, then they could be labelled for doing that. So a lot of people were were usually put in a lot of fear. So if the pastor said he was not going to marry you, um, then it was seen as a very bad thing in the church. And a lot of people wouldn't want to get involved. So you would find it harder to put together a wedding if you was in that sort of circumstance. So I was interested in someone at one point, um, but I decided it wasn't for me. And I was condemned by the pastor for this decision. Um, the pastor then, you know, called me and gave me a telling off because I'd made this decision. And then he made a comment and said to me in anger, I've washed my hands of you. Now, he was basically saying that, you know, like, you know, you're not thinking or you, you shouldn't have done this mistake. So therefore, I'm washing my hands of you in the sense where... I don't want anything to do with you for now at that time because he said that out of frustration and it was at that point where I really began to question things in church because you know I knew deep down that this was wrong like I knew I made mistakes but at the same time I was still young you know and there could have been a lot of naivety from my end so even still it's not really any way to have a go at somebody i mean i was still really young so it's again it's like you can't really say that to somebody because those words are very damaging to say that to someone um 
and you know obviously if you you know and as i said i knew i made mistakes but another thing to tell someone that you didn't want anything to do with them is is definitely not a representation of god's love however in 2011 i met my future wife at the time and we built a relationship and then you know we got married to her in 2013 which the process of getting married was not an easy process as we were in two different branches she was in london at the time when we met um so we met at a convention which was like a, a bible conference um and you know we, we met each other for the very first time and then that's how we actually got speaking now prior to that i was praying for a wife at the time and one of the prayers i prayed was you know god bless me with a wife that is on the same page as me as i knew what i really believed um, in regards to church as i began to question a lot of things in the church in general um just deep down in my heart and there was a lot of things I saw that I just felt was not biblical at the time. But I couldn't vocalise those opinions because, again, I could be seen as an outcast or a rebel. So I had to kind of keep those beliefs to myself deep down. And so I just literally prayed to God and said, you know what, Lord, I want a wife where I can actually share my thoughts with or my opinions with and that we can be on the same page in regards to and you know god actually answered my prayer because the thing is in these types of circumstances if you and your wife or you and your husband or you know you and your spouse is not on the same page especially when it comes to things like to do with church um it can be very detrimental um i've seen situations where you know wives have been manipulated in the church and the husband probably doesn't believe the doctrines of the church anymore and the husband's been made to believe that he's an outcast um, or vice versa the wife doesn't believe and then in, in in the doctrines of the church and then um, she's now been made to believe to, to be an outcast and sometimes that can actually put a um, a wedge between that couple and sometimes that's an avenue where the pastor can actually manipulate that couple and put and and actually get in in between that marriage um and and make the other party look really bad for not believing the the standards of the church and it can be very damaging and uh, i've got close friends that i know um that has experienced um divorces um or separation or just various different issues um or sadly some couples are not together anymore um simply because of this issue and it's very dangerous and that was something i didn't particularly want for myself um so you know me and the girl i liked at the time you know we we met and obviously we began to just build that relationship with each other and you know before saying anything to the pastor uh, you know to be made official so we kept on building our relationship and we kept on speaking over the phone and just discussed various different things and you know we, we definitely knew that we was heading in the right direction so we then spoke to the pastor about it now the pastor of the church of my then girlfriend was a, was attending was actually very controlling and because he knew my wife from a very young age because 
Um, she was originally um, in a different city. Um, and so where she originally came from, that same pastor actually pioneered there. So he pioneered in that church. And so he knew her from when she was young. Um, and then basically he moved away went abroad for a bit and then came back and then took over the headquarter church in London and then as he took over the headquarter church in London um, my wife ended up going to that church because she studied and then ended up going to that church um, later on down the line so you know he wanted her to stay in the London church because obviously he wanted her to stay under his leadership and he wanted probably one of his men that he probably knew, his disciples, to end up marrying her. But because she expressed this desire that she wanted to move back to Bristol after much prayer and consideration, he then became very cold towards her. Now, this was just when we was on the verge of actually becoming official so we would have probably had the meeting with him he probably would have initiated it and then we could have you know started being official from then but because my wife made that statement to him that she was going to move he then became cold towards her and said okay um you need to just deal with this through the bristol pastor rather than me because you know i'm you know because i'm not going to be able to deal with it anymore now because it's out of my hands i mean he could have but he just chose not to and he was just being very difficult and so that made it difficult for us so we just had to wait and and to be honest this was months away um my wife was planning to move she, she was planning to move in the summer at the time and this was early in the year that we discussed this with him so he could have made us official but because he was being difficult you know we, we had to obviously wait until the summer time when she was going to move um so eventually we met the bristol pastor and the birmingham pastor in one day um to, to eventually um to start the process of um courting and so my girlfriend was um, going to come by coach to Birmingham so we could actually have this meeting. Um, but then, you know, she got the location mixed up for whatever reason. So, you know, I just wanted this to be over and done with, you know. So because um, she got the location mixed up, I said, OK, let me just drive down, meet you and come and bring you back up again. And then we can obviously get this sorted out. So that's what I did. So I just drove down, picked her up, drove, and then we basically had the meeting with the Birmingham pastor and then also the Bristol pastor as well, um, just to be able to get this all sorted out in one day because it was just going to be a very long process otherwise. Um, and it could have stretched over weeks rather than just getting it all done in one go. Um so I didn't really mind driving so that's that's what I just did um so because so when we started dating um you know we was expected to get engaged pretty quickly as we was both in the church for over 10 years and as how they would word it we didn't have any major issues so that wasn't going to be a problem for us anyway because we generally did love each other and you know we we, we did want to get married anyway so then the rules came for us to court so then the Birmingham pastor was the most controlling 
um, as he would not allow me to actually spend a full day down Bristol um, on a Sunday. Um, so that was the rule that, you know, two weeks every Sunday, we were supposed to officially be in each other's churches um, for the service. Um, so that was the actual rule. Obviously, in between then, we saw each other and we did whatever we did in between that, in between that time. But generally, the, the church's rule was that. So um the Birmingham pastor basically said that I still had to be in church on a Sunday morning so I couldn't actually miss service and then I had to do what I had to do because I was in ministry and then from there I had to still drive all the way to Bristol after having morning service to then go to Bristol and then have to drive back from Bristol in the night time um because that's just generally what I had to do um, and a lot of the times I was tired because of it, you know, because it was just a lot of driving in the day. But, you know, you had to do that because that was generally the standard of, of how it was back then. Um, so, you know, so obviously, um, so that was basically the standard. So the, the Bristol pastor was a little bit more relaxed, although there was still an expectation that we was not to miss church. Um, he then allowed my then girlfriend to actually come and see me for a full Sunday. So that wasn't an issue on his end. And, you know, she was also involved in her church. So that wasn't an issue. Um, but then obviously people in church generally became nosy and inquisitive about our relationship, which, um, which to be honest, we didn't really entertain because it generally wasn't their business because in the church... Um, if you're a dating couple, it, it's made to feel like it's everybody's business to be involved in your relationship, you know, because they feel like, you know, they ha you have to have all eyes watching you as a dating couple. Um, and that is generally how the standard is and the culture of that church, that if you are a dating couple in the church, everybody's eyes will be watching you and what you and your girlfriend is doing and if you're seen to be doing something out of line people will be quick to run back to the pastor to say things that's not necessarily true or, or try and confront you about something they feel that you might be doing that's wrong so it, it can also make you feel on edge generally because of those sort of situations and you know it can create a fear within you because of those things as well um and that and that's also and that was just how the culture was in terms of how dating or courting couples were um so you know the church did not believe obviously in sex outside marriage um which is a biblical standard that i could not argue with and it was a good standard to uphold um, but they manipulated people to prevent more things from happening in the, the church, i.e. the rules for courting. So you could not show any affection to each other. Um, for example, you could not hug, hold hands or kiss as the church believed that this was wrong. Now, to a certain extent, it was good teaching. However, people have to be able to exercise self-control for themselves and people have to be able to make those decisions for themselves without being told how to conduct their relationships because 
at the end of the day it is God most important of all those people have to please not the standards of man now they would get this teaching from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 7 verse 1 in the New King James Version where it says that it's good for a man not to touch a woman and because I've literally heard this over the pulpit being preached um, and that's literally what they've said that you know if it's not biblical for a man to touch a woman so therefore a man should not hug or, or kiss or hold hands with a woman because that's what the bible actually says but in reality the greek meaning for touch actually means of a sexual nature it does not literally mean touch you know so hugging you can hug you can hold hands because that is actually nothing wrong with that biblically you know but it means of a sexual nature which means of a provocative sort of nature that's what the bible is actually referring to in regards to touch so again i can understand about kissing i i, I totally do understand that but again it is up to those people what they wish to do without any fear and with the fear of god naturally you will do the right thing anyway and you shouldn't have to have the fear of man on top of that because the fear of man is just control whereas the fear of god you will just have natural standards so then obviously we got engaged um, and then the manipulation and control escalated even more um, the church has a rule that if you get married on a sunday you are honoring god more than if you actually marry any other day of the week plus they also believe that if you marry on a saturday that you won't actually be honoring god and that people will um, come to your wedding and they won't want to hear preaching because in previous weddings they have had people dance um, they've had you know all sorts of things happen on a saturday wedding apparently so now they've had to put this rule to say that it is compulsory for married couples to actually get married on a Sunday and this actually became a rule within the church because then they also saw that on a Saturday people are more likely um, to not want to, to, to hear the preaching compared to on a Sunday so as what they would say um, if you get married on a Sunday people are more likely to hear the preaching of the word plus it's a good avenue for people to attend church and also for the church to be marketed to people which to be honest i believe was actually the main reason um if you got married on a sunday um and say you have a reception and um, people that's in ministry um they were they were made to actually go back for the evening service so if you got married on a sunday and say you're in the bridal party or you're helping out the married couple that's getting married and you um and then basically you you decide that obviously you didn't want to go to the evening service you could get a telling off for that very reason um so that was something that actually you know became a rule so you was made to actually um so if you got married on a sunday um you basically had to make sure that you actually got married you, you, you had to make sure that you actually um you know have the wedding and then for those that was in ministry they had to go back to the evening service um because that became a standard and they had to do that 
Um, so sadly, a lot of receptions were really cut short because they would have the, the, the ceremony, i.e. the church service, have the reception. The reception became very rushed and then people had to rush back to the evening service, whereas then the married couple would then go and do and, and, and go off into their honeymoon, um, which, you know, was very rushed. Um, there was also recent teachings from overseas um, in church in from overseas church branch districts that the bride should not walk down the aisle as Jesus should be at the center of the wedding, not the bride, which, to be honest, is total foolishness. Um, there was also this big emphasis on how many groomsmen and bridesmaids you're allowed to have um, as it was only limited to just four. Again, there should be no emphasis or control on how many people you have um, because that doesn't make any sense generally. Um, I've also heard this being preached over the pulpit from senior leaders. Um, so this was actually a pattern that had to be followed. Um, the church doesn't believe also um, that the married couple should dance at their own wedding and that no one else is actually allowed to dance. Um, because this is classified as being carnal and ungodly. So then the Birmingham pastor convinced me into getting married on a Saturday as he wanted to be there himself, as I was one of the longest standing members of the church. And again, it would look bad if, you know, I got married quietly and no one didn't really know about it in a way. So he wanted he wanted to marry me himself. So he did try and manipulate my then fiance to try and move up to Birmingham earlier so that he could actually conduct the wedding himself. But my fiance wasn't having any of it because her family was in Bristol. So it made sense for her to get married in Bristol. The standard in the church was that if people were involved in the church, like, for instance, praise and worship and so on, you weren't allowed to be in the wedding or even take part on a Sunday because of the church. And, and so because they're in ministry, they weren't allowed to actually miss service, to actually take part in the bridal party, you know, for your friend. Not even just the one service you wasn't allowed to miss. And as I had a lot of friends that were involved at the time um, and also involved in the church, um, then it would have been very hard to have had groomsmen in place for my wedding as most of my friends were in the church and also involved in ministry. So it would have been very difficult. Um, so I didn't mind as I wanted as much people to be there as possible. So it was actually fine for us. Then there became a lot of contention between the, the leadership about us getting married on a Saturday because me and my now fiance actually got some of the wrath of it from her pastor in Bristol out of frustration because the Birmingham pastor was very sly about suggesting for me to get married on a Saturday as it was more convenient and suited him more but then the Bristol pastor got a telling off for doing the wedding on the Saturday from the senior leadership but the Birmingham pastor actually never stood up for him as it was actually his own suggestion. So this is where the contention began. Um, so then we obviously got married um, in Bristol in May 2013. We had the wedding, we had a good time. Um, God was good, he was glorified on that wedding day and you know we, we had a great time and it was a memorable day. Um, but it's traditional in the church um, for women to go where the man is. 
And so because I'm the head of the home, um, my wife actually moved to my church in Birmingham. But then the pastor complained in a sly way that we was away from the Birmingham church um, for about three weeks and said that this was for a long time, forgetting that my new wife is actually moving from Bristol and we were a newly married couple. So we just needed a break because in their eyes, you was away from the church for too long. And because most couples in the church was away for two weeks on average. And that was, again, a rule because they were seen as that was a reasonable standard to be away from church. But anything longer than that is too is too long. And that's how they worded it, in a sense. So then we got settled into the Birmingham church as a married couple. Things became a little bit better for a while. And then they, but there was still control manipulation. But, you know, my wife picked up on a few things and a lot of different behaviours within the church and seen it for exactly how it was and was vocal in some aspects. And sometimes, you know, people generally did not like it because, and then they began to treat her differently because of that. But thank you for taking time to listen to this podcast. The next episode, I'll be talking about um, my ordination to preach the gospel and the pressures of pastoral ministry. So thanks for tuning in.